Hey folks, it's the Unsung Podcast. I'm back from an adventure in Europe and I'm not joined by Chris this week or Vicky. It's just one guy from the other side of the world. Aye, welcome Unsung Podcast. Yeah, it's it's your old man, Craig. It's Craig, radio host, radio DJ. Yes, that's me. Smashy and nicey. And I feel pretty smashy now because it's uh, six bells in the morning. The sun isn't even up yet. Oh, man. That's it. So where, where did you go? Spaghetti Junction? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, no, I went to Prague, I went to Vienna, I went to Venice, I went to Marseille, I went to Nice, I went to Barcelona. Oof. <laughs> yeah, two weeks, two weeks it, it was. It was it was fucking hot, man. It was like 36 degrees in Vienna, which is the hottest it got, but everywhere was at least 32. Yeah, if uh, climate change keeps going the way it's going, then uh, everyone's going to be moving to the Highlands instead of moving to Australia, where it is absolutely... Is it not cold where you are just now? Yeah, it's Baltic and it's, and it's wet. It's not as bad as it was last time uh, we did the pod and the rain was so heavy that uh, you could hear it in the microphone and we had uh, two or three power cuts, so we should be all right this time. <laughs> and Chris is on tour, you said, yeah? Yeah, he's on tour with his band Outblinker. Plug them. Let's plug them. He's in a band called Outblinker. I don't know if he's ever mentioned it before. I don't think he has, but it's the first, maybe, is this the first time? This can't be the first time in four and a half years this has come up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's on tour in France, which is fucking hot. Actually, partly on fire as well. Bordeaux. Lots of forest fires. Is that, does that stop? I'll stop reading the news or watching the news, uh, probably around the start of COVID. So, blissfully ignorant. Living in a bubble in Australia. Seems like a fair thing to do, to be honest. Oh, this place will be on fire within the next couple of months. We just had a change of government here now. We've got a Labour government for the first time in, I think, nine years or something. So, hopefully that will work out for the better, because it was a bit of a clown show uh, <laughs> since I've been here, to be honest. <laughs> so, what have you been up to, Craig? I mean, it's been a while since I've spoken to you and you've been on this pod. So, tell us what you've been up to, all the things you've, cool things you've been You've done some cool things. Have I? I don't, I don't know what you're referring to. I've just been. Uh, yeah, I've just been doing a, a month of uh, running this event, a European night market. So it's supposed to be like 1920s Paris, but in the middle of uh, Melbourne in a kind of a office district, kind of laneway between skyscrapers kind of thing. Wow. Uh, so that was a bit of fun. So kicking about in a, in a beret, being very European because I'm somewhat of a European myself. So that's been good. Um, like I say, I've been doing a lot of uh, radio hosting here as well. This is a show free of four of the week. So, um, yeah, all the things, some things that pay me and some things that do not. But sitting here now with uh, Bob the Dog in the background, hopefully he'll stay nice and quiet. We fucking love dogs in this show, man, so have at it, Bob. And Bob the Dog, that's his preferred pronouns. <laughs> and Australia's can he say Bob the Dog? And I, I try to get my wife to say Bob the Dog, because he, he doesn't even answer to that. It's like Bob. I totally listens to every Scottish command, but on Sundays he's Robert, so it's a bit easier for him. <laughs> um, so... Probably a bit of admin we should do, get out of the way. Uh, first of all, I want to thank the people of Japan and I want to thank the people of the United Kingdom for putting us in the charts and iTunes once again. Japan? How the fuck, man? Well, I guess it's that Maria Takeuchi episode which is still kicking about out of there, so maybe. Maybe she got. Did she die or something? Probably not. And the other bit of admin is got to plug the record club, of course, for a nominal sum of four. Minimum four of your local currency. Um, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash unsungpod, and just basically buy us a beer 
four dollars, four quid, four whatever a month, uh, you get access to our amazing Facebook group. Quote unquote amazing a Facebook group. Um, you get access to all bonus episodes and early access and any other cool stuff like that. If you want to go, you know, a little bit more flush with your cash, um, fifteen of your local currency, I'll get you a digital record club where we'll send you a, a handpicked record from an unsung host of your choice digitally every month via the Bandcamp. Well, it comes via Bandcamp, so we send you a link to that. Supports the artist directly. They get way more money than a Spotify stream, so it's just a cool thing to do. And for between 30 and £40, depending on where you are in the world, um, you can get an actual analogue record sent to you in the post, which is totally different from the digital one. So yeah, patreon.com forward slash unsungpod. Find out all the information there about our record club. And uh, if you like this podcast, just uh, why don't you just chuck us a few quid? Sounds like a fun thing to do. Yep, I've been doing that for quite some time. Yeah, that's how you get on the show as well, apparently. Just bribe us, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll let you come on. <laughs> bribe. <laughs> so, Craig, we had a bit of a back and forth about what we were going to do for this episode. And we had some good ideas, or you had some good ideas specifically. Um, but time was not on our side. No, definitely not. You were uh, Euro tripping. And you were doing the radio, loads of the radio, Hannah's of radio. Um, so we've decided to settle on uh, another cover mount We've not done one since April And you were in the last one as well When it was that uncut monstrosity Yes it was <laughs> That was that was a shanner But it's got some competition But uh, yeah, <laughs> at the end of that episode uh, Chris did a shiggle of the bag And, and pulled out this uh, Bobby Dazzler Yeah so it is Brutal Bunch Volume 2 uh, From Metal Hammer Released in an issue of Metal Hammer in May 1996. Uh, now, I can give you a little bit of history on Metal Hammer. Would you like that, Craig? Is that something you'd be interested in? Certainly, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with, but uh, does Metal Hammer still exist? Uh, can you still get it on it the It does, on actually, the yeah. Thing, yeah. Yeah, so um, as of, so, you know, the thing that, the thing that they use to, um, to calculate circulation is called ABC in the UK. Right. Um, and as of 2015, which was in the, last, the last time this was taken for, for print magazines, they had 20,000 a month, uh, which is a massive drop from the heyday of when they had over a million, uh, a million. I was going to say downloads, <laughs> um, a million purchases per month. It is the second longest run alternative music magazine in the UK, one of the last few that remain as well that you can actually buy with your hard-earned cash. It actually started in London by a German guy called Wilfred R. Rimsberger, and he went to Kerrang, actually, with the idea of doing a German language version of the magazine, but also doing like a multi-language version of it. They said no, we're not, we're not interested in that pal. So he went to his pa- he went to his German pal Jürgen Wegenhaus, publisher of the German Music Sense magazine, and said, "Hey, let's make a multilingual magazine." And as it turned out, that that idea had legs. It was published in eleven different countries, and at its peak, sold outsold Kerrang as well. So it was a pretty oh. big deal uh, for a long, long time, and it still is. You know, they had a TV show for a bit. They um, they've still got podcasts and stuff. Their journalists are still held in quite high regard. They've got all the big ones. They've got quite a lot of followers on Twitter and stuff. They do a lot of online content. They've since ex- since expanded their pantheon of of magazines that can fall under their banner as well. Um, Total Rock, I think, is one of them. 
But uh, there's a story apparently out there that uh, the guy who started the magazine, Wilfred Rimsberger, actually recommended Metallica to ACDC's manager, Peter Mensch. And that's how they got signed to the same management company as ACDC. I don't know if that's true, but it's a nice wee story. Pretty cool. I keep having a, a bit of schoolboy grin every time you see Rimsberger. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I remember um, there, there was like it was, you get Kerrang! Was, Kerrang was weekly, I think, wasn't it? Metal Hammer was, was that was that always monthly? Monthly. And you, that was a bit edgier. Like Kerrang! was kind of quite poppy. And then when when you got into the, the dark stuff, it was Terrorizer. They were the kind of the three that I would have got back in the day. Yeah, I think Metal Hammer did actually have their own extreme metal section. I can't remember the name of it, but I seem to vaguely remember that from when I used to have copies when I was younger. Um, I think probably to compete with Terrorizer because they were partly competing with Kerrang! as well so I guess that kind of makes sense the actually another funny story or not funny story but another interesting fa- fact I guess is that they actually started to expand into music festivals and video magazines and all that in the early 90s the mid 90s and it's changed hands so many times um, it was recently bought by Future for £800,000 they bought it from Team Rock who'd went bust and in 2013 Future actually sold it to Team Rock for £10 million pounds. <laughs> so made a, wee, made a wee bit of money on that transaction I think Jesus <laughs> quite a lot of money oh and also they were the first Western youth publication allowed in the Soviet Union alright was that around the same time as uh, like Monsters of Rock in Moscow and all that kind of stuff yeah so yeah uh, they are they are a really well known magazine I was going to say in the UK but actually probably even more so in Germany they always had a big German following despite the fact they were multilingual and they have done according to Discog right get this <laughs> this is a cover mount that we are doing right um, apparently they have done over 770 cover mount CDs and throughout their entire run it's keeping the CD industry afloat I guess isn't it yeah it's just fucking mental, right? Some of them must have been actual compilations they released for people to buy because I don't even think they've had that many copies of their magazine. I'm getting the sense that it's quantity over quality. Uh, yes. Here. <laughs> Judging I'd by, say so. by this one. <laughs> well, so this is the Brutal Bunch. So I only did four of these. Uh, they all came out in the year 1996. There's only four volumes of this. And they actually featured a lot of really well-known acts. Skunk and Nancy, Sponge, Fear Factory, Silverchair, Earth Crisis, Catherine Wheel, Alice in Chains, Moby, Typo Negative, Everclear, Feeder, Crows and Conformity, some of the artists on this. It seems to me that pretty much most of the artists that were on these compilations are kind of a bit like how Uncut did it. It was actually bands on, on decent labels or major labels. It wasn't the Kerrang model of like asking people to come in and asking me guy bands to pay money to come on a CD. They were actually getting acts that were signed, some huge, some not as big. And that's all, that's all really uh, anybody that's been following Chris's narrative of the feeding frenzy around grunge since we started this podcast. This CD is definitely a really fucking good example of what happened right after grunge started to become post-grunge. And I guess we'll get into that in a wee second. Um, but getting all these rights and stuff, man, that can't have been cheap. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie, it's a tough hang. And obviously uh, the sequel's always always uh, the best one, isn't it? <laughs> this is Brutal Bunch Volume 2. Yeah, so the first one came out in 95, actually, but it was over the ca- over the course of a calendar year they all came out. And um, that one has Silver Chair, Skunk and Nancy, Channel Zero. Oh, 
Chocolate Lorenz I don't even know who these fucking people are man um, <laughs> Catherine Beale I know Chris likes them and yeah Fear Factory I don't know if I said that but yeah so I this is the sequel and it is I think it I don't know I haven't listened to the first one but it seems as though this might be a little bit more interesting yeah well we are a slave to the bag and this is what came out yeah before we jump into it Craig tell me tell me about your relationship with Metal Hammer uh, like I said, it's, it's a magazine I used to get when I was younger, as we talked about on the the last episode we did, or the first one kind of thing, when you were uh, a kid without a lot of disposable income, uh, mm-hmm. then this is how you would get your music. This this CD's got uh, 16 tracks on it, and you got all that bonus content and stuff as well. I had a paper round, so I had a, a direct line to the, the newsagent, I think. Part of my pay was I got a copy of Metal Hammer or Kerrang or whatever it was as well, or I just spent my money on it. Back in those days, that's most of my kind of musical knowledge or uh, anything I was turned on to was, was from magazines and governments and stuff like that, which is why, we, why we're talking about them now, I guess. Did you have any memorable Metal Hammer CDs? Um, there was a yellow one, I think. I think it's the first time I heard Slipknot, actually. It was a demo of uh, the track Eyeless. That would have been a bit later than this. This is uh, from 1996, and I would have been uh, probably a bit too young. I wasn't going to gigs or anything by then. And I think it was about 99 when Slipknot first kind of broke, and then they they played in Glasgow at the Barrowlands, quite a legendary show. I think Chris was at that. That was definitely, it was like a yellow, kind of like a high-vis, wet floor sign-looking Metal Hammer CD. And it was uh, in a cardboard kind of sleeve, but that that one's really memorable. The rest of them kind of fade into obscurity, I would say. Should we talk about obscurity then? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first impression of the CD. Um, it they got they got away with a lot in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, they really did. <laughs> uh, I was like, whose high school band is this? Is it Weavers? <laughs> is it mine? Is it yours? Is it Chris's? <laughs> uh, I think the Metal Zone pedals got a lot to answer for as well. And if you weren't imitating fucking Phil Anselmo, you are imitating either... Uh, Lane Staley or Chris Cornell. Lane Staley or Chris Cornell or Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to show my, show my hand too soon, but this was a tough hang. 16 tracks. Yeah. It did, I guess, significantly better from track 10 onwards, but I mean, I say significantly, I don't necessarily mean amazing. It just it just gets a bit better. The first half is, like, absolute brain damage. <laughs> and I feel sorry for these bands as well. I, I, we both did a bit of research on the bands, so we can talk about them when we go through this, these tracks, man, but I actually felt sorry for some of them after hearing the song and then hearing what happened to them. <laughs> Most of them, I was like, fuck, man, you got a really rough ride as well, didn't you? I was feeling sorry for myself <laughs> listening to half of this. Okay, so it kicks off with Brother Kane and Fools Shine On. Okay, uh, yeah. is anyone, answers in a postcard, is anyone ever heard of the band Brother Kane? I think you think they're more heard of them, man. It's like. <laughs> it's just... So I got a wee bit excited when I first heard it 
Not because it was it sounded like Chris Cornell covering Word Up, but when I first <laughs> saw the name, I thought it was someone else. There was this uh, music video on YouTube that uh, I urge you all to check it out, and it was called. Yes. There's a band called Wally World in Cetas, and it's uh, this track called Raise Some Cane. this <laughs> band of old guys on a beach on a, like a really murky day they're all getting at big licks and there's uh, this random stripper in the background and instead of like stripping in her bikini she's wearing like a big coat because it's so cold <laughs> and the tune but the tune was so catchy it's like uh, everyone kind of shit have you seen it i sent you a link to the video yeah and it's <laughs> it's actually quite a catchy tune it starts off as a joke but i like i'll, I'll quote it to people <laughs> and it just became <laughs> it's uh, yeah wally world and cetus and it's called raisin cane <laughs> And it is much better than Brother Kane. Yeah, Brother Kane. Uh, have you seen the movie Rockstar with uh, Marky Mark Warburg? I don't think I have, actually. Yeah, it's a kind of a guilty pleasure movie, I mean, another one of them. And But I really like the soundtrack. It's supposed to be the, the Judas Priest story, where uh, the singer in a tribute band gets uh, the call to be the singer for the real band, uh, who he idolised. And the movie, the, the fictional band are called Steel Dragon, the tunes are fucking awesome actually in it um at the end though marky mark goes from being this like rock superstar kind of uh i don't know aussie or something like that or rob halford and he and he goes all introspective and he's playing small like 300 cap venues and he's wearing a cardigan <laughs> and he's got you know the guys from his original band who he sacked and he's doing this kind of uh <laughs> grungy thing and that's what this this band brother kane reminded me of that last scene in the movie It's, it's pretty um, forgettable. But then when I looked at them, this was like number one in the rock charts in the US for six weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's, this clues you right into the era immediately, right? It's 96, it's the closed veil sound that all the, all the grunge bands were using. It's still here. It didn't die with Kurt Cobain. Um, the riff, the main riff is just humming. It's just so bad. <laughs> the vocal harmony is fine, I guess, but the production and the, the vocals, I think, is dead dry. doesn't sound like a real band are playing it at all. It's got fucking bongos in the verse, man. Yeah, it's mad. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> Did you think it sounded like Word Up as well? Then. <laughs> that's that yeah that, uh, if you're going to rip off a riff man come on there's, there's better ones than that right so these guys were an American band they released three albums they've reformed a few times including this year um, but they're on Virgin Records so clearly somebody thought something was going on with them but that's when I started to go down the rabbit hole of shit like all looking at the record label that every single one of these bands were on um, because I was like this is interesting because sound, this sounds like any band from that era but these guys were on a major label and they were number one and and the US record the US charts. Yeah, and they're track one on this as well, which is a bold choice, but immediately the question this is called the brutal bunch. And <laughs> I don't know, I'm no expert on brutality, but <laughs> but this is this is hardly brutal. Yeah, absolutely. They should have switched the track listing around. Started with number track number ten, which we'll get to in due course. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's <laughs> it was a brutal hang. Uh, moving swiftly on to track two, the 
Amazingly yeah. named Psyched Up Janice. Psyched Up Janice. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And the song's called Shudder, and it made me shudder. It's uh, it's a it's a very kind of Scottish name for a band. You mm-hmm. hear about that psyched up Janice, tell Big Rad, it's me or the blues or something like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but they're actually I uh, don't matter, uh, or something like that. Yeah, they're Danish. Um, and uh, looking into them, the the members are uh, remember that band, the Ravonettes. Yeah, they were they were kind of a, a kind of a King Tut's kind of level touring band for, I think maybe in the early two thousands. I, I feel for me, it feels like this singers in a totally different band for for everyone else. Yeah. It's kind of got a weird suede vibe, I think, in his voice. Don't know, don't know what that's all about. Uh, and then it, it just feels like it's two different songs put together. You've got that post-grunge shit in the coat of the verse, and you've got like, like kind of jangly chorusy effect going on as well. Like his band sound confused. Apparently, they moved to the UK to try and follow their career, and it just fell apart spectacularly for them. And the notes as well. Uh, I don't, uh, a guy play at the venue I work at here in Castleman. Guy called Ed Cooper. K-E-U-P-E-R is from a, a band called The Saints from Australia and uh, I think the guitar player from this band Martin Bieregald mm-hmm. probably murdered that he toured and produced that band uh, The Saints and uh, yeah oh, and it, wow. Ed just played uh, played up here uh, a month ago so two degrees of se- separation between me and psyched up Janice <laughs> <laughs> who'd ever thought you'd say those words together <laughs> totally uh, what have we got next uh, Blameless and Leather What's your thoughts on this cracker of a song? I've got I've got my notes here and I said, is this Weaver's high school band? Is it my high school band? Is it Mark's high school band? Is it Chris's? Um, it's pure metal zone all the way. But the, the vocals are fairly well produced though. Yeah, the riff gave me a hint of Black Sabbath. Apparently they were from Sheffield um, They released an album called the, the Sidons Are All There And then it didn't chart And then Atlantic Records They were on fucking Atlantic Records man. Mm-hmm. They just dropped them And then they just stopped being a band and vanished Do you remember that compilation series It was called Shine Yeah uh-huh. Yeah yeah so I, rem- I remember that And I think I remember this They had a track called uh, Breathe In brackets a little deeper That was on Shine 5 And it's kind of like that band James mixed with Alice and Chains. Oh. And it, oh, fuck. it fucking sucks. You know, there's no way I can win. It's one thing that it's summer, the slowly winter sinking in. And we go 
it's a it's really it's a testament to how folk made money back in the day like i bet we could write a song right now live on the pod that would have been picked up by atlantic records and that kind of during the, the british invasion kind of thing and it would be absolutely rotten but we'd probably make some some good old money from that and probably better than that for sure as well but yeah absolute gash yeah. so the next band are an interesting band uh, small town heroes the song people ladder yeah So this is a brutal bunch. <laughs> yeah, this is not brutal at all. This is about <laughs> as brutal as the Friends soundtrack. Yeah, totally. It reminds me of Gold Against the Soul era Manix, especially the guy's voice for some reason. It gives me a kind of the, the James Dean Bradfield about it. Don't know why. the bass player went on to better things because uh, the bass was pretty pretty strong in this um you're 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 a fan of the the pop punk genre aren't you it has been uh, mentioned that i'm i'm not but this is a yeah this is uh i think it's a wee bit pop punky maybe yeah it's, it's kind of got that weirdly pop punk chorus it's a little catchy it actually kind of makes sense that, that it would maybe fall in that category because the guitar player is a guy called baz warren and he's been the lead singer of the stranglers since the year 2000 oh wow like the, the the old Stranglers, yeah? Yeah, go Golden Brown mm. Stranglers, yeah. Um, apparently, so this band, Small Town Heroes, formed in 1985 as a band called The Troubleshooters, and they changed their name to Small Town Heroes in 1992. They released the, the first album, Human Soup, which this song is on, and they toured with The Stranglers at that point, and then they broke up in 98, and somebody for The Stranglers remembered this guy, even though he was a guitar player, not the singer, and was like, do you want to come and sing for The, the Stranglers? And... They did, and he's been playing with them ever since, uh-huh. um, which is a pretty weird twist of fate. <laughs> human soup. That's that's another Scottishism. That sounds like an insult. <laughs> Boat your human Get soup. Get your human soup out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Speaking of human soup. <laughs> I've been on a few nights out in Glasgow where it's been human soup. Uh, did you keep stum after those after those nights out? This uh, this band should have kept stum. Um, so yeah, track five stum, and the track is called Skydiver. I wrote down it's like Primus of Les Claypool couldn't he play the bass that's what it sounded <laughs> like to me just completely kind of forgettable but I, I dug into them because uh, I'm committed to the research and it took a bit of effort I didn't I didn't see much difference between these guys in the mid 90s and that band Idols now if you check out a track by them called Corrupt Cop by Stoom on YouTube it's a live performance from about 1994 
It's actually pretty decent, but brutal. It certainly is not. They're uh, they're from Derry in Ireland, I believe, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it kind of gave me like a pound shop Fugazi vibe. Yeah, um, Our current idols. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I. That's kind of it's kind of got that weird off kilter thing. There's actually some kind of vaguely interesting things going on with the guitars. They do that kind of call and response thing. Yeah. Play different parts of chords, which is, you know, there's, there weren't many bands doing that, especially bands that were getting on major labels like Columbia, that these guys were on, um, and sounding a bit like Fugazi into the bargain. Mm-hmm. So I guess good on them. But Had you ever heard of them? Never heard of them before, man. Um, and after that album, they just seemed to, like you say, it was hard to find any info, any info on them because they literally just seemed to vanish in the obscurity entirely. Yeah, I, I, I think they got done by whoever recorded this because it, it just doesn't work kind of thing. But when you see, uh, like I say, what look out for some, some live videos by them, especially that track Corrupt Cop and uh, All Is Not Lost, I would say. But yeah, not very brutal. Yeah. So another, the next track is by... Uh, if you're Scottish, quite a well-known band, I think. It's rock royalty. Yeah, the almighty. All sussed out. Um, what do you know about the almighty? Uh, the almighty, I think I had a tape of the almighty when I was, when I was a wee guy. They're from uh, Straven, uh, I believe. There's a song, it's, it, I think it, it had a line in it, something like, uh, maybe there's someone who, who listens to this who can let me know on the on the AAA. There was a song called something like, As I Sit on Bandaged Knees or something. And I've been trying to kind of like Google it and find it out, but I'm pretty sure it was the Almighty. And the guitar player in this, another really, really Scottish name is Andy Tantrum McCafferty. <laughs> you can't get more <laughs> Scottish than that. But... um my notes on this were the Almighty are a pretty legendary band, but this sounds like someone recorded a jam session on their phone in the practice room, and then they said, we're going to ditch that song because it's just a riff from London Calling, and uh, the producer mm-hmm. probably wanted to go out and get a chippy or something. <laughs> it's, it's very, very London Calling. Uh, yeah, these guys sound like Thin Lizzy. Um, probably because Ricky Warwick is now the singer for Thin Lizzy. Yeah. I think Finlay's had come up a, a bit in this. Like, I think everyone, there's a lot of people on this CD who have done a shift in Finlay. Uh, I was unaware that Finlay were still going as well. Like, are they still going? Yeah, they are still going. They, they tour intermittently. Um, Ricky Warwick and I think they're one of the, not the original guitarists, but one of the longest tenured guitarists. And Finlay started a band called Black Star Riders, who they essentially said was like the, they wanted to write new music, but they didn't want to do it as Thin Lizzy. So mm. they, wrote, they started this new band who basically sound like Thin Lizzy Volume 2, but just nowhere near as good. And that's the whole, I think that's the reason why the Almighty went on hiatus is because Ricky was asked to sing for, for Thin Lizzy and this just stopped really doing anything. I, c- um, I could imagine one of these retro tours with, you know, the Almighty and Thin Lizzy and the Stranglers and it's just, <laughs> just <Yeah>. one guy. 
cashing in on, on each on each act. Uh, you could probably put big country in that as well if you want to chuck in, you know, legacy Scottish acts. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this this very podcast turned me on to big country actually, and um, yeah, I never looked back. I, I really really like big country, but they're they're still zombie in, are they? Yeah, they are still going. Yeah, you can probably catch them at a festival every summer. Like <laughs> one of those legacy festivals that Chris has got a real beanie's bonnet about. Unlike the next track, Galactic Cowboys. Fear not. But track seven, now now we're getting somewhere. So it's not exactly brutal, but at least it's getting a, a wee bit heavier. And why does every band up to this point sound like our first band demos? It's like if Alice in Chains were from Falkirk, and it's I, I don't know. I wrote down psyched up Janice in Chains. <laughs> it's like it's just like uh, Ricky Warwick playing it across like Finn Lizzy and the Almighty. And it's like remember in your high school band, there'd be like one kid who could play the solo to Into Sandman or something. So he was in like four bands, or a guy yeah. who had a drum kit and he was just a drummer in every band. And I think yeah. that that's the case with the Galactic Cowboys in the, the past <laughs> probably five, six acts that have been thus far. What did you reckon to it? I, it was cool to see, hear some actual metal on a Metal Hammer CD. We <laughs> <laughs> only took seven tracks. Um, the, chor- the chorus feels like it's trying to be kissed. Like the vocal feels a bit like it's trying to be kissed, but with a grunge twist to me. I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just going mad after listening to this shit <laughs> too many times. Um, but the call and response thing in the chorus really did my tits right in. I, I, I honestly could, could not stand it. Um, these guys are still going, man. Oh, really? Still fucking going. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't break up. They didn't go on a hiatus. They're still playing. Was there not like a movie called Galactic Cowboys about like a bunch of old guys going to space? It was like Clint Eastwood and yes. Tommy Lee Jones or something. <laughs> space Cowboys, I think it was called actually. Apparently the singer-songwriter, the lead guy, um, Monty Colvin, he was a cousin of Didi Ramon. Oh, wow. This is those next all over the shop, man. We don't have one for this week, but we've got we've got them coming out of our ass, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very forgettable. Never heard of them. Yeah. Glad to hear they're still going and glad to hear he's got a famous cousin. Uh, whatever. They were on Metal Blade as well. They were on Metal Blade Records. Fucking hell. Must have been yeah. Nineties were a weird time. Cutting edge, excuse the pun, but uh, at least they weren't on a <laughs> on a major major like uh, like half half of this yeah. other tripe. <laughs> uh, f- what's next, Greg? Track eight, uh, face down, and the track weak. This name rang a bell. Um, at least we're getting some riffs now by this stage of the CD. Mm-hmm. And I thought the drummer was pretty good. It's so much like like my first band. Uh, it could be, shout out to Phil Murdoch singing on this. Uh, Guy Phil Livingston, who <laughs> sounds exactly mm-hmm. like the singer on this. And 
the guitar tone, I was I was trying to put my my finger on what what it reminded me of. It's uh, remember that uh, let the bodies hit the floor, that uh, drowning pool song. Drowning pool. It's, uh-huh. it's the exact same guitar tone in it. Like I said, they, they were familiar. I think a lot of these kind of New York hardcore bands are called things like Face Down and Rise Up and all this kind of stuff. But they, these were a Swedish band. Yeah, that's right. Um, I like. I actually really appreciated hearing something quite groovy that wasn't new metal. Um, it sounds closer to Machine Head, I think, than it does to the new metal bands that were cropping up at this time, in my opinion, anyway. The vocalist is the vocalist in The Haunted. Oh, wow. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense because his voice is fucking cracking. Yeah. I think, really good singer. Yeah, it makes a lot um, of sense as well. My mate Phil loves The Haunted as well. This is quite timely to talk about, like, because this is 96 and that new metal thing hasn't quite landed yet. Well, in, in the kind of global consciousness. We'll talk about some of the other acts on this on this CD are very much in that, in that vein. We've got a lot to answer for, but this is a... Mm-hmm. This is still in that transitional period where Britpop is kind of almost dying as well, but it's still there in new metal. We, we were just talking, we, we both watched that Woodstock 99 Netflix thing uh, mm-hmm. last night, which is which is quite worth a watch, but it's just mad seeing seeing Rome burning, which is funny because it was in Rome, New York. <laughs> Not in Rome, yeah. But yeah, that was 99. And the period from like three, four years from, from say, 94 when, you know, Corn kind of first came out. This is 96 and it's still a bit Big Dad energy in it. And then you get 99 when it's like the, the death of it. Anyway, this has been a slog. That's eight tracks in, and I've never looked forward to Cradle of Filth so much in my life. Uh, <laughs> Nobody expects to look forward to Cradle of Filth, do they? Definitely. But before we get to Cradle of Filth, uh, Dearly Beheaded Witness. That's not a bad wee riff, right? That's an okay riff. I just, it lost me. It's like, duly beheaded. We are gathered here today to go chugga, chugga, chugga on the metal zone. <laughs> but this time, remember I was saying about the guy who has a drum kit or the amp? This is the foreign exchange student who can make the guitar go deedly, deedly, deedly. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I did nod my head a wee bit uh, at the end because uh, who doesn't like a bit of chugga chugga deedly deedly, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've written that that end riff is, I'm pretty sure that riff is from a Pantera song. Uh, my, my head was nodding. <laughs> it needed to by this point. Uh, these guys were around for only, from 97, from sorry, from 93 to 97. 
they did a second album on Music for Nations and then it got dropped because it was so bad. Uh, From Manchester. Um, who cares? Who? Yeah, who the fuck cares, man? Let's, let's go past this and go to some new metal. And just <laughs> dearly beheaded. Oh, that is absolute gash. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, the next song is Halloween, right? Me born. Now, these guys have been going for fucking 12 years by this point, right? Yeah. Uh, they are power metal, lo- like, legends. Yeah. What do you think What do you think of this song? What do, you th- do you know much about the band in general? So, you know that, that foreign exchange student who was playing in the last band, who's got an amp and <laughs> yeah. can go deedly deedly? Uh, he's he's uh, probably in Halloween as well. He's a, a German <laughs> power metal god, foreign exchange student, <laughs> played in all the bands. Ten tracks in, and we've got another shite name and an even shiter logo. So the Halloween logo is quite quite famous, actually. It's uh, obviously Halloween, but Halloween, and the O in the middle is a pumpkin. And they've never changed it, and it's of its time, and I guess it's iconic, but um, so is Bisto. <laughs> it's like, how, how do we yeah. do this? This is, uh, I'm, I'm showing, my, showing my hand here. Who gives a fuck? It's, uh, this is the best tune in the CD. This is uh, legitimately the best tune in the CD. It's, uh, it's a lot like a Judas Priest. That Ram It Down era. But nowhere near as good. Mm. But I, I like Ram It Down era, um, Judas Priest. So this best tune in the CD, Halloween. What about you? I prob- probably agree with you, to be honest. Um, I, I, the first thing I've written here is just in caps, power metal. Yeah, with lots of A's and L's. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know we've never we've never done power metal on this show. I I like power metal in really short bursts because it it it, it delivers on the promise of what metal started off as, which is big. Mm-hmm. Stupid fucking riffs and ridiculous it's re- fantasy. It's relentless. Like the must be the fittest guys on, on the team, the the drummers in these bands, because they just don't stop. I guess nowadays it would all be kind of clicks and stuff like that, but um, it's just relentless. And that's uh, mm-hmm. Priest have got a lot to answer for it as well. And uh, yeah, pretty efficient pyramid. That'll be the German in them. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some fun lead guitar work. There's some fun guitar solos. It's exactly what you'd expect from a power metal band. It's complete excess on every single level, um, which is why I like yeah. <laughs> power metal, but only short short bursts because it does get a bit much for me. Um, Hollywood had a huge deal in this scene, man. Um, yeah, they're the they're the OGs, aren't they? Yeah, yeah man. They've been going since 1984. This is from their seventh album. <laughs> Um, I think I had a, a Halloween t-shirt You know when you you go on holiday When you're a kid and like you get these bootleg T-shirt stalls or whatever And it's like something that looks mm-hmm. vaguely jaggy Or metal or something like that <laughs> It's like I have no idea who this band are But they've, they've got like a cool Album cover or this is like a, a knife Or a lassie or something <laughs> And it's mm-hmm. like yeah I'll, I'll <laughs> go, back to, go back to Scotland as a, an edgelord <laughs> with, <laughs> with my jaggy t-shirt And I'm pretty sure I had a Halloween t-shirt 
The core of this band of uh, Michael Michael Wycath and Kai Hansen on guitars, Marcus Groskoff on bass. They've been with the band since it started in 1984, which is fucking pretty cool. Um, they now have three lead vocalists, which is also really strange. Um, the original singer, Michael Kaiske, he he he's, he sings for them again. He came back a few years ago. His replacement, Andy Derris, he sings for them as well. And the lead, the lead guitar player, Kai Hansen, now since 2016, also sings for so them. So they all sing at the same time, at the same gig, or is it... I don't know how, I've not listened to any of their albums, so I imagine maybe they trade off in songs now, I don't know, but it's weird, they're all credited as being lead vocalist, which is completely straight. Maybe they, maybe they just don't all tour at once, maybe they, I don't know. I don't know, maybe it's like a nursing home thing, where it's just, uh, you know, they can only get out for so many hours a day or something like that. Yeah, it's like tag team wrestling, man, you just, just tag the next guy in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice day. Gave it, gave, threw my back out on that last one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hit the high notes, Michael, you're up <laughs> um, Psycho Motel, I've got a song called Psycho Motel Which is on this record, from the album Psycho Motel And I've written here, you either, you either need to be really fucking brilliant Or really fucking stupid to have a song named after your band And I'm going to give these guys a pass because it's Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden's band after he left Iron Maiden. And they did that, so I'm like, he only knows. He's just doing what he knows, right? Even though, even if the song is a pure sigh. <laughs> I think, yeah. Nah. Remember I said everyone on this CD's done a shift in Finn Lizzie. I think Adrian Smith did as well. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, my, my reaction notes, like when I was putting this together, I was like, oh, 16 tracks. This is like, I can't be arsed. So I just wrote all the track names down and this obviously mm-hmm. stood out because it was Psycho Motel by Psycho Motel. And I was like, that's either going to be like a one hit wonder, crazy frog kind of thing or something or or they're actually quite good. But um, yeah, my, I just kind of wrote out all the song names and the, the band names and just did like a like a one sentence reaction. And uh, yeah, the this is this is kind of decent. On, on the Brutal Bunch, I'd say Halloween are the, the closest we've got to the Brutal. Um, there's a really kind of really good solo in this and a nice bit of chugga chugga. I knew nothing about Psycho Motel. It's actually quite good. And I was like, is this actually quite good or am I just a bit drunk? Am I drunk enough now? <laughs> you know, it's actually kind of <laughs> decent like rock. And the main riff is like pure Jimi Hendrix. And then it's like really yeah. Iron Maiden. It's a weird kind of mashup, but it kind of works. And then they kind of go into this kind of Alice in Chains kind of Soundgarden territory as well, and it gets a bit trite. But it's like try to trade in on that new scene, that kind of post grunge coming in with while still being, you know, dinosaurs of the scene like Iron Maiden. Um, mm-hmm. Same song name as band name isn't that cool either. And yeah, and then when I looked into it, I realized it was a guy from Maiden. So uh, that made sense. Yeah. Did you like the song? So he. he- 
Not really. Um, <laughs> I, I was actually surprised at how bluesy it was for given that the guy was an Iron Maiden. The, the Hendrix thing totally makes sense. Yeah. But like you said, it has the grunge bit and a Maiden bit and a nice chuggy riff at the end, but it feels a bit disjointed to me, you know? It's just try to shoehorn and everything that's going on and everything that kind of trading on past glories as well. Um, Iron mm. Maiden meets Jimi Hendrix. That's a, that's that's an interesting combo kind of thing, but I just I just don't think it landed. Yeah, it, it, um, it might have landed better. Like I said, there's a there's a really rad solo on it. he's a great guitar player but it's uh, if they if they'd stuck away from doing that um, that kind of Alice in Chainsy kind of Soundgarden-y bit then I, I think I would have liked it a lot better it would have had a wee a wee place in my heart <laughs> uh, uh, another thing I found quite interesting about about this band was like he left Maiden in 1990 1990 and this came out in 1995 wow. what the fuck was he doing for five years writing this <laughs> <laughs> Adrian get a job um, so the next song's Marauder oh, yeah. Is this the heaviest song on the record? No, it's not, because Cradle of Filth are on it. Is it the second heaviest song on the Brutal Bunch? <laughs> These guys are so brutal, they can't even spell. It's uh, Merauder. Yes. Uh, not, not Marauder. Um, but at least we're getting heavier. I'd never heard of this band. Initial reactions is very Sepultura, very Slayer. Yes. Uh, yes. New York Hardcore, it's got that, that groove that um, New York Hardcore is known for. I had my head nodding. But I'd never heard of them, which is quite surprising because they're kind of pretty cool. It's almost my favourite in the album. It gets into it, it's got this kind of syncopation that kind of starts like a Sepultura meets Slayer. I think they kind of uh, predicted bands like Killswitch Engage and God Forbid and all that that whole kind of metalcore scene quite accurately. I know I know you've talked about like at the gates and stuff on on the the pod before, but this is mid nineties, and I think uh, especially towards the end of it, it's getting really metalcore in that kind of syncopated guitar drums kind of thing. It's, it was quite good actually. Like I said, if Halloween hadn't been so relentless, this would have been uh, probably my favourite track in the album. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you about the metalcore thing, man. I think this this even predates on Earth. I think are yeah. one of the first proper metalcore bands, and I think is that that's actually quite interesting. Also, God forbid. Did cover this song oh, did in they, 2009 yeah, yeah so it, it, that, that totally lines up as well it's got, it's got that hate breed style chorus or the terror style chorus you know the that's that New York hardcore you know throwdown kind of scene but the, the thing that kind of threw me off was like there's a little break in the middle with some creepy clean guitars I don't really know if that works yeah um, and the guitar solo at the back of that doesn't really light up the way a lot of other metalcore bands in the future would do like Kill Switch or anything like that mm-hmm. you know um, but these guys are still going as well wow um, and I've still never heard of them 
Yeah, uh, they haven't released an album since 2009, and it's only the singer George Rosado, who is the original remaining member of the band. But they are still playing gigs, and they have never split up. Apparently, as well. Yeah, well, these are the, the definition of unsung um, for sure. Because yeah, pretty good, I would say. Um, one of the only kind of tracks on the album that I would I would uh, on the CD, sorry, that I would uh, track down maybe a couple of their albums and see what what's going on. It'd be interesting to know what was going on in two thousand and nine, like after Metalcore, whether these guys mm-hmm. doubled down on it or whether they they did something totally different. So, um, Marauder, yeah. they're called. Never heard of them. Uh, there's another really small band. I don't know if you've heard of them. That's on next. It's uh, they're called Corn. Yes. Uh, the track is fake. I find the, the choice of this at track 13 on the Metal Hammer CD quite interesting because this, this is from 94 from Korn's first album which I think was just called mm-hmm. Korn and it was like track 9 or something on that and it sounds definitely like Korn figuring out who Korn are This is on a Metal Hammer CD two years after the album's already been out. So Korn must have been really riding high in the hog probably in in 96 to give an album track from two years ago for this cover mount in the UK. And it's kind of no one's favourite Korn song. You can kind of hear it all. It's before Korn perfected that formula. It's like a roadmap, to be honest. Uh, I I like the really deep, heavy bits. I think System of Down really ripped that. But there is a bit of groove in this, which Korn always have, but I think they've got more groove in this than they kind of ditched that groove, I think. There's like a kind of a EDM kind of comparison to this. It's that quiet, loud, the build, and then the kind of thing. I, I, don't, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but it's pretty forgettable. What did, uh, what did you think of that? Were you familiar with this song? Uh, not really, it's because it's, it's one of the ones you, I would have skipped on the first album, right? Um, this is the same year that Life is Peachy came out, so I don't know why they just like brought a single off of that and put that on this instead. Because um, this song is completely forgettable, you're right, you know. It does have this, that, those heavy bits you're talking about. Um, the band call them Mr. Bungle Chords because they come from Mr. Bungle. <laughs> It's like he's, you can hear it, hear it towards the end when John starts screaming fake. Um, it adds a nice texture to an otherwise quite, I think, dull song. And you're right, it's a band that's meandering. It's trying to toll album track material, first debut record stuff. Yeah, they, they must have been we, like, we, we have, someone in record industry land must have been like, yeah, we have to have corn on this. But it did work because when I looked at the track list and uh, 16 tracks here, and I'd heard of I think six of the bands, but the one I was like, oh yeah, corner on it. Like I can, I can, I can go a bit of corn. And they didn't put it right up front. They put it like track thirteen, which strange choices on the on the sequencing of this CD, like across the board. But yeah, I, I was me as being that kind of era. I was thinking, oh yeah, 
that'll be good to revisit but then it's just this totally forgettable album track from the first album I doubt they'd even remember how it goes if you asked them these days you know it's, it's quite, so quite amazing talking about that documentary the Woodstock 99 one like uh, on episode one you see Corner out in day one and they're the ones who kind of really get the party started I've seen Corn a few times and they they are a good live band but that was like that was peak they would have been one of the biggest draw cards at that time so someone yeah. in the record industry land knew that back in 96 I think and knew how big it would go mm-hmm because yeah, I mean the whole new metal scene did come from them, really, didn't it? Um, it's weird because when I, I think was, that's up for debate as we will later on in the episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think getting big is as big as it did. They've got a lot to answer for there. When I was away in Europe there, the, the two guys I went away with, they both watched the documentary before me, and and they were discussing it, um, and they were saying that. It's, it's kind of weird to see in that documentary how in 1999, and we've spoken about this before in the New Metal episode and at other points as well, that um, it became a total jock thing, a total bro culture thing, New Metal, towards the end. And that's certainly tipped, uh, exemplified in, in, in Woodstock 99. But you, you, kinda, you need to kind of cast your mind back to a band like Korn, who were definitely outsiders, you know, and they were absolutely not, they were, couldn't be further away from that. Sonically, yeah. they were quite quite different as well from other new metal bands, but it started off as being an outsider thing, and it still would have been like that at this point in 1996. Yeah. Um, and like you said earlier on, it's only three years before it became this fucking dumb head. It was always pretty dumb headed, but dumb headed frat juggernaut that it became. You know, I think that that bro culture, that frat culture or something, is is actually quite sensitive because Corn coming out that first album, it's you know all this kind of themes of uh, abuse and all the rest of it and and very weird and sensitive and emotional and all the crying and the screaming and all the rest of it is mixed out with the oh yeah taps off baseball cap kind of thing it's it's really it's it's quite a phenomenon i don't know how how well off corn are but they they must have made made some buck back in the day oh yeah and having this track on this cd would have just been just another another royalty check in the post yeah, because they really benefited from having like the Family Values tour and really building up their... their what year was Family Values? Was that around the same time as Woodstock? I, I know it was late 90s. I remember I had the VHS of it. Yeah, it would have been because um, it was uh, it was when Follow the Leader came out, so that was about 98, I think. So yeah, it would have been around about that time. But we're not here to talk about that as well. Yeah. So. We're here to talk about Pitch Shifter. We've already spoken about Pitch Shift on this podcast, so I don't really want to do too much uh, on this. Well, I don't, you can say, obviously, you can say a lot more, but I've already said quite a lot about this band. Um, I, actually, I really like this song, I think it's quite ferocious. got a lot of cool cold industrial dynamics um, really big horrible heavy bits the vocals are really nice too I like them um, it does sit on the new metal side for me but that's okay it's the 90s yeah um, this, this is pretty heavy for Pitch Shifter uh, it's, it's a really cool track as well a track's called Underachiever you can hear that they were Pitch Shifter that's why you've talked about them on the show before because they were, I think they were just kind of ahead of their time and just kind of unlucky I guess to be about that time not as lucky as uh, the Prodigy were uh, who I think they shared members with 
but this is definitely one of the more brutal tunes on the CD. I think that's probably where that comparison uh, starts to split, where Prodigy never got this heavy. Whereas this this is quite heavy and it's really really quite good actually. Pit Shepherd are just just a really cool band. They they actually formed in the eighties, so that's how ahead of the, their time they were, you know. And like I say, we don't need to say too much about them. You've done a whole episode on them, but yeah, this was a, another one of the highlights of the CD because Pit Shifter are really cool. Check them out. Uh, so speaking of other highlights, you, you said you were looking forward to Cradle of Filth, Nocturnal Supremacy. Uh, give, give me your thoughts on this. Oh, this this is when I, you know, was looking at the track list and I was like, oh, who do I know here? And I was like, oh, Corn Pitch Shifter, yeah, I like a bit of that. Um, the Almighty, that's probably going to be good. And I was like, Cradle of Filth, that can be a bit hit or miss, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drumming on this is just off its chops. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is a brutal bunch. These guys are quite brutal because creative so yeah. far. And then it's like that point in the club. Rock clubs used to be a thing. They used to let me into them. And it would be like <laughs> something like Cradle of Filth would come on and the, the windmillers would come out, the long hair, and they'd be like that. Then there would always be the bit, especially in bands like Cradle of Filth, where uh, the, that goth dance thing, where everyone's like <laughs> yeah. sweeping across the floor like a vampire. <laughs> and Cradle of Filth are just kind of like, they're a bit like Dream Feet or something like that. They're very good at that specific thing they do. They're like a, a goth rush or something like that. That's a good name for a club night, Golf Rush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, they're, they're technically amazing, uh, and they've stood the test of time because they're still going now. I was talking to my mate about it last night, and I was kind of giving a live update on Messenger as I was listening to the CD. Yes, I didn't think I'd ever say I was looking forward to Career Life Health, but now I am. And then that goffy, synthy, deep voiceover bit kind of thing came, came in, and I was like, I hate this. And he's like, <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs> that's, <laughs> and that's exactly why Cradle is still a thing and why my mate likes to wear a cape and play with swords. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there an unsung connection to Cradle? It's like Weaver's cousin plays drums for them or something? I was going to, no, he plays bass, yeah. Daniel oh, Firth, yeah, he plays bass for them. Yeah, he's, for, he's for Orkney, I believe, I think the boy is. Um, so yeah, yeah might as well. direct, <laughs> a direct, direct connection to Cradle of both. Um Man... So I, I didn't like I I used to hate his voice when I was a wee guy. Like my, my friends were going mental over that their album Midian and yeah. her ghost in the fog. I was like, Man, what the fuck is this shit? Like why why do people like this so much? But they got huge and they are still huge. They're a massive band. Um What I never got a little coincidence uh, he uses a pitch shifter live on his microphone yeah um, yeah that makes sense band his voice shifter, is not that low yeah. <laughs> or, or that high he goes yeah. he's actually got a pitch shifter on his microphone what I never got about Cradle of Filth though is 
why can't they make a good music video? Everything looks like uh, what was what was that magazine called? Bizarre or something like that. It's like kind of like a fetish girl magazine or something like okay. that. Okay, that something available. I'm afraid, sorry. I've never seen like a good video by them. Everything just looks like someone's uni project. Mm-hmm. Is a study in film. They don't get the right cast of characters, but jokes on us, I guess, because they're they're still doing the thing. Maybe that's intentional because the band are so so overblown. I mean, they're called an extreme metal band, whatever the fuck that means. But in every single dimension that you can take metal, they take it to the extreme. The gothy shit. The heavy shit, you know. The I, speed. I always like the sense of humor. That uh, who's the singer? Is it Danny Filth? I remember Danny they Filth, yeah. they they hit the mainstream. It was like in the sun and all that because they had this T-shirt. It was uh, a nun masturbating with a, a crucifix, and on the back it said "Jesus is a cunt" kind of thing. And yeah. and he came out just bold as brass and being like, "Well, uh, if Jesus is our father and all the rest of it, then he's given given birth to us and all this kind of stuff." Then Jesus <laughs> is he totally justified it. Uh, but it was yeah, that that was that. Was Shocking in, uh, yeah. in the mid 90s, and uh, good on them for <laughs> doubling down on it. Uh, a song's got some tasty riffs in it. Um, the female vocal is a total thing they do, which I can't, I really can't just slow down with the female vocal. Can't abide that at all, really. I think she's also the synth player or something as well. Uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, that kind of something I'm never going to give up on. Yeah. They've got the, she left a few years ago and they replaced her with somebody else, so the star thing they're definitely doing. Um, a cool story about this song it came from an EP called V Empire, which I suppose to guess is supposed to be Vampire or Vampire, whatever. <laughs> um, and it was written really Clever. quickly after their debut album because they needed to get out the contract with Cacophonous Records. It must have been a really small indie label. So they could go to Music for Nations, which is a much bigger label, to do their next album, which was a lot more successful. Um, so this was actually re-recorded f- or remastered for that for that next record as a bonus track. So I guess they must have thought quite highly of the song because uh, they were saying that they just rushed this. Imagine rushing this though. How how on it must you be? <laughs> how on something must you be? But yeah. they're they're totally technically. Pre- pre- I imagine they they are just total geeks. Mm-hmm. They've spent their whole life in their room learning how to do their makeup and learning how to play their instruments, and <laughs> they're just really fucking good at it. Um, great band name, I always thought, Cradle of Filth. Yeah, that is a good band uh, name. Nice one. We are at the end of the CD. Finally, end of the CD. Yeah, prong. It's, yeah, prong the song controller. This is what I like to talk to you about because, like, prong are are kind of royalty, but they're mm-hmm. actually they're from the eighties as well, and they've got a lot to answer for. It was either corn before they were corn, or all those new metal bands, and they kind of went kind of different before corn figured out that corn formula. But this is the most corn sounding song ever. It's it's egregious. I went back to Prong's early 90s stuff just to kind of prove the theory. And their 1994 album, same as Korn's debut, it's just 
it's the same thing really but I guess Prong just didn't wear enough Adidas or have a sexy drummer or mm-hmm. this abuse story or something like Korn did back then but um, props to Prong though Guys from Swans, guys from Danzig, just proper like lifetime card carrying kind of rock musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably forgotten to history, much like the CD we're talking about. <laughs> but what, what, did, yeah. what did you think? So I think we're going to come back to these guys at some point because I think Chris is a fan. I'm pretty sure he's brought that up before. Um, I'm quite unfamiliar with him. My, my, my pal Craig, um, friend of the pod, um, he quite likes prong as well, and it's a weird thing. So he's probably going to ask. He will listen to this, and I'm sorry, Craig, but I think it's a bit weird that you like prong. I, I wouldn't have put it as being a band that you would have liked that much. But here, here we are. Um, I hadn't properly listened to them before this song. Um, I think it's really interesting. Man. I think it's a really engaging. That's a really engaging song. Um, Do you hear what I'm talking about? Where they sound like that precursor to new metal. It sounds it sounds more like Corn than it sounds like Corn eventually would when Corn really found that formula. Mm-hmm. That these guys were already doing it, but that one word name, everything. It was like I guess Prong just just missed the boat and or didn't get that. The I don't know what label they were on if they were on a major or not, but Prong are like for people of a certain vintage. Yeah, um, it's, gro- like it's really groovy. Then, yeah. It it does have that new metal groove for sure. Um, there's loads of cool sounds going on going on all over the place as well. They were on a major label as well. This was released on Epic, um, which I think may actually have been the same label Corn were on back at the start wow. as well. Yeah, I, I totally hear that. Uh, now that you've said that, I can't help but connect those dots. That's a really interesting observation. I'd never would have put them as new metal, but yeah, that groove. Yeah, yeah, that new is when we say new metal, we're not talking about like uh, you know spine shank and all this kind of stuff, and we're we're talking kind of specifically about corn, and it's uh yeah, th- this this could be a corn song, and it's uh and it's where corn eventually landed at, at their sweet spot at that kind of ninety nine kind of sound. Um, yeah, anyone out there, uh, check out Prong. This is a track controller. And it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of timeless, but this is a band from the 80s. <laughs> you know, the guys from Danzig and all the rest of it. So, so uh, as ever with these things, we tend to wrap up with the three questions. So your your uh, favourite song, your best song on this CD? Oh, I forgot about this one. Um, yeah, I've uh, already said it. I think it's, I think it's Halloween. Because that's what I wanted from the CD. It's called The Brutal Bunch. Otherwise, it probably would have been Pitch Shifter. Worst song? I'm going to have to go with Brother Kane. Just because it, it just pissed me off from from track one, <laughs> just like fuck off. <laughs> uh, and the most surprising song, uh, probably prong controller, uh, and just kind of connecting those dots and going, uh, 
holy fuck, uh, how did I not realise this before? Prong are one of those bands that you could still see they would be supporting someone, they'd be like touring like Biohazard or something like that, it'd be like one of these bands that you're always there, but you probably didn't go by their album. But then listening to them now through that lens and seeing that, you know, Korn are still going and Prong are probably still going as well, but then doing a bit of research and going, oh my God, these, these guys actually, they were doing it before the whole genre kind of arrived. How did I not realise that before? So that would be the, the surprise element for me. How about you? Uh, so, uh, same as you with the best song, I think it's Halloween. Like I said, I like, I like Power Metal and Small Bursts. I really appreciated its inclusion on this record because it, it really changed things up at the point when I was like, can we just can we just get this fucking CD in the bin, please? That's what you want from Metal Hammer. You want German Power Metal, you know? Exactly, <laughs> The magazine's yeah. called Metal Hammer, for fuck's sake, <laughs> you know? So, that's what you want. Uh, worst song, Daily Beheaded Witness. get right in the bin <laughs> horrible band but I mean it's, there's, there's a lot of competition in this record for the worst song it was, it's definitely between that Brother Kane and and the first 10 tracks yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, Galactic Cowboys get the scissors out cut the CD in half and then then yeah. you're done uh, the, the song I was surprised the most about was Cradle of Filth Like I said, I'd, all my friends were mad for Midian when it came out because it came out when I was 16 and all my friends were in the same age and could never get it. I've since grown to like black metal and, and lots of other kinds of metal, you know. Yeah. Um, and whilst it's not, I don't think it's super brilliant, uh, there are parts of it I can do without. I was really surprised at how much I dug it and how much I took away from the sonics of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a really close tie between um, Marauder as well. You know that that is mm-hmm. that is metalcore before metalcore was a thing, and that was really surprising to me to hear something like that as well. Yeah, so I, th- I think the the yeah the overarching kind of comment on on this CD is that there are um, a couple of it's a, an interesting kind of time capsule. I don't, I don't think a Metal Hammer cover mount CD at this time of Volume Two of Four kind of thing is going to be right on the the bleeding edge, and we've seen that with things like a two year old Corn song being on it kind of thing. There's yeah. there's a, a lot going on with the programming of these CDs, but some of it probably was more cutting edge than we're giving it credit for. With things like Marauder and Prong, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I think in three different ways it does predict what was going to happen. Right, you get the post grunge thing was going to become huge and it did and all the bands that were doing it died really quickly and it still remained the case right up to your theories of a dead man your puddle of muds even mm. in the early 2000s those bands were around and they were just gone predicted new metal but not the dunderheaded way that it became I guess there was a little bit of metal core in there too I don't know what your uh, your kind of core age demographic is for the podcast but um, 1996 is, is really going back a bit you know Chris was at least 30 by then or something he was yeah. I'm sure mm-hmm. uh, but but you and I were you would have been just a just a wee baby yeah I was uh, 11 <laughs> <laughs> 
You were just getting ready for new metal, probably. I was. Getting ready for some 41 bed. or something like that. <laughs> just getting ready for bed. <laughs> uh, this has been interesting, though. I'm glad we did this, man. I thought I thought it was, it was fun, even though at times it was difficult. Uh, it was fun, and it was fun to do this as a duo. Was, yeah, yeah, crap. it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's unusual. Um, but yeah, th- this one was a slog, and it's. I was uh, I was talking to someone about doing it beforehand. I was like, oh, well, why are you doing it if you don't like it? And we talked about doing albums that we we do like, or you know, are unsung or something like that. And it was like, well, this this one might be actually quite funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so hopefully, uh, people out there in podcast land agree. But sign up to the Patreon, and you get access to the unsung AAA Facebook group where you can uh, throw pelters at both of us personally. Yes. Please do. We look forward to that stuff. That stuff. So, if you want to give us abuse, that's the place to do it. Or you can you can hunt us down in the street if you want. But maybe quite difficult for some of you, particularly <laughs> for Craig. <laughs> well, um, well, gel of your recent travels and Chris's current travels. It's been quite a while since I've had a, a wee jaunt like that. So, I look forward to it. You can go some cool places. So you can go to like Asia and stuff, which would be awesome. It's still nine hours to get to Asia. It's six hours to get to the other side of Australia. So um, I can go to places like New Caledonia (laughs) and Fiji and Lord Howe Island and things like that. But things ain't cheap. Anyway, hopefully I'll get get away in in a while. Don't know what's happening next week. No idea. Uh, You'll find out when we do. And (laughs) yes, Craig, it's been a total pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Look after yourself, mate. Uh, You too. From me and Bob the Doug. Bye-bye. Bye, Bob. Bye.